India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Good morning everyone and this is the 26th of September 2022 what a morning it's been have all the trolls been stumped what was your wake up call did you get it today or did it really happen 2 days ago when the bond yield broke out above 7.26% from the falling channel or did you get your wake up call on friday when the much unexpected 80 level on the usd inr was surpassed with an 80 paise move the biggest i think in months or maybe all of the last year or two years we haven't seen this massive a move in the currency pair in quite a while and if that was not a wake up call that something has already changed The truth is your wake up call at least on the currency front should have happened in May of 2022 itself because right then a day after the RBI announced a surprise rate hike the USD INR started to weaken to lower lows based on where we were at that point of time a clear signal that we'd moved away from market intervention towards interest rate policy to be used as a means of managing the currency but it looks like i was completely wrong about that The RBI has truly thrown hundred billion dollars at the problem, and running out of that, I hope that we have woken up to the fact that in what is really a globally driven macro environment, the largest tightening of liquidity conditions that we have seen in our lifetimes. To overlook the impact of that on the Indian macros uh, has really been, I think, the cornerstone of what has really happened here: the greatest level of complacency on the long side of the last rally. Did I anticipate that sentiment would go overboard from fifteen thousand two hundred to seventeen thousand five hundred? The answer is yes, because we were at the most extreme negative sentiment in years, almost close to the pandemic lows. That's the kind of negative sentiment reading we had back then, and so I did think that by the time we are at seventeen two hundred five hundred, the market would have become rapidly bullish. But it extended itself all the way to eighteen thousand, and the sentiment change was not just the normal that I would have thought of, but dramatic. If I go by the kind of comments and posts I've got against my bearish view that I've held out for all this while, I tried to think it would be a time-wasting month uh, for September. At least we lost the first couple of weeks, and uh, late into last week, I was still thinking, okay, well, if it's wasted so much of my time, maybe I'll do a little more. And uh, so I've taken a flight to safety. a little away from the markets after having you know completely moved out anyway uh, but that of course means that i am simply a watcher from miles away of what is really happening in our markets today but having said that if you're still not rec- recognizing that this is something dramatic something that is uh, going to impact almost everything uh, in the month or two ahead i'm not even saying months because time is really getting squeezed the speed at which things are unwinding globally is i think uh, we are in the in, in really the eye of the storm if you might call it that if that is true then india has really a lot of catching up to do on the downside and so it's going to be rapid it's going to be fast i don't think this is going to be as slow as the last 9 months the last 9 months were just the distributive phase now we are in the unwind phase and the unwind phase there's no place to hide this is something i've been repeating on the last couple of uh, spaces i've just been randomly attending over the last few days with you know some friends and colleagues that have made on made on twitter so you just see some spaces going on jump in and uh, these are the ideas these are the ideas that have propagated over the last month from simply turning bull bear long short trades to really understanding that this this can be something uh, of a much larger degree and that is uh, certainly why uh, i've taken the position of you know completely being out of the markets so 
I am not sure, but I do sense that a lot of people, specifically on the investment side, are completely unprepared. Traders, well, they go long, they go short, they get stopped out, they get margin squeezed. Now, of course, the big margin funding, if there are any such big books out there, don't usually come out till the last part of the decline when you know brokers who hold out the bigger trader positions on the wrong side finally capitulate into the sell-off. So we haven't really gotten there. That happens much much later in the trade. The shorter term traders get stopped out, lose money. Uh, but in the big picture, long-term investors, as I hear uh, on uh, different paces, like I said, is are still pondering over a couple of different types of ideas. One, if they're already holding on to investments, should they still do so? Two, how can they really hedge in this environment? Three, shouldn't they continue to buy the dip as markets continue to decline? And four, looking for well, even if there is a correction, where can we really outperform on these markets? I think all all, all the four arguments are in search of really hope. You know, so we have gone from the fear of missing out on the upside to the hope that, well, we can at least be somewhere where we are protected and so we don't have to, you know, deal with the large drawdown that the markets might really be bringing on our table. It's a completely different twist of things. I hope uh, things don't get as bad as I'm uh, imagining them based on at least what is happening. They're definitely going to get badder on the world. So I think I have, I have little doubt about how it's going to unfold specific to the US markets. I think the big debate is, well, if it's going to unfold so badly for them, why should it really affect us? We are somebody else. That, I think, is the really big question that most are not answering. And that's where the complacency is. Definitely, uh, the moves that we are seeing on the currency front, the USDNR breaking up above uh, 80 is sort of confirming, signaling what I've been saying, that 80, 87 is coming. Now, if 80, 85 to 87 is coming, that is still the third wave of this particular structure, which you know started off from 67, 68, when we broke out beyond 69. Uh, so that I thought was the fifth wave. Now it's actually breaking down into one and two or five, three or five. And so we're in the third in a big picture. And so it's really not going to be done out there. I think it's going to extend beyond, but definitely that can be one level where we pause and pull back and consolidate again. That's That may be a possibility. Uh, and then when it comes to bond yields, I think that's the second big factor I just spoke about. The breakout that we have just seen is likely to push the Indian 10-year GSEC yields well above 8%. In fact, I'm looking at anywhere between 8.5 to you know 9.2 as the target range based on the 10-year or I should say 20-year chart because after bond yields hit their low point in, you know, 2001-2002, they've rallied back to close to the 9% mark once, twice. And I thought in 2018, they would do it a third time and it didn't happen. It was in fact a fair debate. I was actually making that point at Traders Carnival that, uh, you know, back then uh, that, you know, you could see that final spike and it didn't happen because the government stepped in, bailed out, you know, the ILFS got bought out and bond deals actually cooled off. So we went from a point where we were at significant risk to the private borrowing market to a point where yields started to drop. There was more safety seen. Indian balance sheet started to improve and it looked like that could be a long term trend. But it hasn't really panned out that way. Yields did drop. Uh, somewhere into 2021, we did go uh, significantly down below the 6% mark, but we have slowly edged right back and are now poking above the 7.5% range. What it really means uh, now that we've done this breakout, what it means to me is uh, we are really heading back to that long-term upside, which is, uh, you know, the multiple tops we've made close to the 9, 9.2% range. And this will be a third time we'll go there, completing what we will technically call as a B-wave triangle. And eventually in the long term, I do think that bond yields head much lower than where we are right now. And rising rates are going to be one of the singular most factors that will 
bring down the valuation levels of the Indian stock market. So tightening liquidity, higher interest rates, rates a basic input to any valuation model would essentially end up meaning that you would not want to pay the same prices that you are paying today for the same stocks all else remaining equal. But again, is all else really going to remain equal? Looking around the world, at least not every sector is going to be spared. The ones that are in the line of fire have anyway not done well, whether it's IT or metals uh, or export oriented companies. I think they are the ones that take the first hit directly because of what is happening uh, in the global market. But many others are really not taking it on the chin because of the pent up demand that came in in the post COVID reopening trade environment. But given time as rates rise, uh, it is very much possible that, you know, some parts of the economy start to weaken, demand conditions in general cool off. And also, the pent-up demand must have its own limits. Given that we are in an inflationary trend, and when you get your currency weakening, you do end, end up with some degree of imported inflation. Of course, commodity prices are falling right now, but uh, you cannot really... You know, it doesn't completely get offset when you have a weakening currency. So to some extent, you do that by, you know, keeping your currency strong and get the input cost really uh, pulling back. But once your currency starts to weaken, some of those gains do get given up. So, so what you really end up getting is inflation cooling off, but a much slower pace than what you really wanted to see. And that's sort of what is happening in the US as well. If you've really understood the commentary from the US Fed, it's that, Inflation is not where they wanted it. It's not even moving in the direction or at the pace that they really want it, even though uh, a lot of action has been taken because of the demand pressures outstripping the supply side problems. So the supply side problems not completely solved and at the same time, the demand side just outstrips. And so the only solution ended up being tightening demand. So this has been a period where we had to go back to the old adage, don't fight the Fed. And a lot of people are trying to bet against that, trying to think that they will be forced to pivot because the economy hurts too much. They do what they are promising they will do, uh, but that in a sense is ending up becoming fighting the Fed. So really you want to outguess what they intend to do or plan to do, or will you simply go by what they are saying? Because historically, they have been good enough to transmit their policy expectations well in advance so that the market really knows what, what they intend to go ahead with. And right now that seems to be a path uh, pretty much predetermined towards higher interest rates, close to 4.3% by the end of this year for the US uh, Fed funds rate and up to around 4.6% by sometime in early 2023 is what they're looking at. And hopefully by then, if uh, inflation really pulls off significantly, they will have enough reason to pivot. But it appears they're also going to be waiting for real interest rates to turn positive to at least close to around 1%. That seems to be the uh, intended goal. And if that's the intended goal, it's going to take quite a while before we get there and before you really hear about the actual pivot coming in. So now that I've said all of that, you know why things are happening as fast as they're happening. They probably would want to get over this crisis quickly, which is why uh, they're moving ahead with fast rapid rate hikes so that uh, the slowdown that they want to create gets done and over with. And that really means that markets are going to be extremely volatile. The volatility levels are going to remain elevated. The India VIX, which was really lagging behind the US VIX, which had slowly started to rise over the last uh, you know, couple of days and specifically after the Fed announcements, is finally, finally sort of maybe breaking out of a triangular range. And I'm still saying maybe because uh, it's not yet become a big break. Today, while I speak, in fact, it is finally closing above, I think, the congestion zone 
that it had been stuck in at 22.75 while I speak. Uh, the congestion for the last few days was around 21.2. It was just not going above that on the daily chart. But we have closed above that. So if I take the entire, like I said, triangular structure, then we are coming out of it today. Once we do, then we are setting off on a course of much higher volatility for Indian markets as well. So this is the setup. Rising volatility already in place for US equities. Indian equities should follow suit. We are in a situation where uh, some data points like the US sentiment index uh, for most uh, currency pairs and for US indices do start to look a little oversold or overstretched, which means a near-term bounce. But as far as the Indian market is concerned, what we are seeing today is the first round of recognition uh, of a trend reversal. So it's possible even near term as the US is trying to find its low, India starts to you know fall a little harder and possibly completes what we would like to call as the first five wave decline over the next couple of days. So we'll actually have an Elliott wave set up where we can actually say, oh, well, this is wave A, then we get wave B, then we get wave C in terms of a larger decline that is in progress. So clearly, this is not a time to be complacent. In fact, for people who have read about the big shot, heard about the big shot, watched the movie, the big shot, are sitting there and watching a big shot right across their faces. That's how complacent the market is. This is the trade of the year, of the decade, maybe. Uh, once it's behind us, good times will come again. They always do. Bad times end very quickly. Good times last for many, many years. But the starting point is usually very, very important. You cannot start at the wrong point in terms of your investment outlook and expect a high and one-sided return. That just doesn't happen. I mean, you could buy something at 100, it drops to 50, and then it goes back to 300. What's your return? Uh, that return is 200% from 100 to 300. But if it drops to 50 and then goes to 300, what's the return? It's sixfold, right? Uh, so that can really happen. In fact, if you take a tighter example from 100 to 50 and then 150, the difference is between a 50% return and a 200% return. So those are the kind of uh, things that uh, people don't realize. And there's the larger, bigger factor. This might sound like, okay, so what? It's a little drawdown in my long-term rate of return. The time factor uh, between you going back to the starting point of where these investments are made, in some cases, especially if you're in the wrong high valuation bubble crap stocks, can end up being as long as 10 years. Even if it's not a bubble crap stock, I mean, you can talk about Infosys, buy it at the peak of 2000, get the price back sometime in 2012, 13, 14, you know, so it can take 12, 13 years before you get the same price again, even in a well-grounded, fundamentally strong company, if you bought it at a 300p till the time that earnings and growth really normalized. Because in one stage, which is called the third wave, the company is really growing at a very rapid pace, earnings are going at a 100% clip. And then uh, there's the long-term fifth wave in which even as margins decline, the company becomes very large in size, continues to grow consistently, uh, but the earnings growth rates can be much lower, 15%, 20%. They've really come down to 8 9% in the last few years or 5% even at one point of time for a few years back. And even at those rates, we are giving much higher valuations. The PG ratios are high simply because there was no else, no, nowhere else where there was growth. And of course, interest rates are very low. And so you give a higher valuation to uh, whatever growth you can really find. So these are the dynamics that we've been living in. But these dynamics do not price in the effect which, is, which we are facing right now. Tightening liquidity, higher interest rates, lower valuations. In some cases, bubble crap valuations. And so uh, when you put all of that in perspective, being in the right place at the right time is important. The starting point, if you became an investor at the bottom of 2020, you look very, very different today, even after this little bit of drawdown, than you would 
इफ़ यू रियली स्टार्टेड आउट जस्ट थ्री मंथ्स अगो और सिक्स मंथ्स अगो और इवन वन ईयर अगो वॉट विल लुक लाइक सिक्स टू एट मंथ्स डाउन इफ़ यू रियली गेट अ बिग ड्रॉ डाउन नॉट वेरी वेरी प्रेडी एंड इफ यू इन द रॉन्ग प्लेसिस यू कुड बी वेटिंग फॉर अ वेरी लॉन्ग टाइम सो इफ यू डोंट थिंक अबाउट दोज थिंग्स एंड डोंट पोजिशन अकॉर्डिंगली द एंड रिजल्ट दैट यू एंड अप विथ कैन बी वेरी वेरी डिफरेंट सो दोज आर द थाट्स आई लिव यू विथ आई कैनॉट रियली टेल एनी बडी वेदर दी शुड बाय सेल गेट आउट और डू वॉट आई कैन ओनली स्टेट माई पोजिशनिंग my thoughts and my views on what the market is really doing and that is what i have been sort of putting out there so that everyone can get more educated about the current market conditions about the factors to watch out for and how to put our market in the context of a globally synchronized uh, world because that's what we have done we've globalized if uh, we we started globalization with the 1991 reforms and to not accept that we are in a globalized world just because you get 4 months of decoupling or 2 months of decoupling is where the biggest mishaps really happen so i'll leave that uh, for this week's uh, podcast uh, as i continue to move along along the road uh, it's become possible to re- remain networked as you travel around the world and to you know share content on the go and i just felt the need to do that as markets continue to collapse today so be safe take care of your investment uh, portfolios learn to manage trades and positions accordingly to stick with your views and conditions uh, as i've been trying very very hard to do if you ask me what makes it really difficult for people to do that it's really not the fear of missing out that is a, that was of course the current problem that people were facing as the market edged to 18000 and a couple of sectors made new all time highs the real problem is the fear of going wrong so yeah all the trolls think that it's nice let's come and tell rohit you're wrong well i've been wrong many times in the past i'll be wrong tomorrow i'll be wrong day after and you can surely come and waste your time because you seem to have a lot of it but the fact of the matter is that the fear of going wrong is essentially the main critical factor that puts a lot of people on the wrong side of every trade and investment they don't take decisions because they feel that well what if i go wrong that's not a way to really live through an investment cycle you have to learn to manage risk managing risk is all about knowing that you can go wrong you need to make corrections when that really happens you need to also assess a level of risk which means you could be have the risk of going wrong but still go right and when you are in that situation how do you position size reduce and then increase what you are really holding just till the point where you are completely certain that what you think is happening or what you think is not happening learning to position size uh, and manage risk then becomes the next most critical factor in the whole investment process so process number 1 learning the science of markets process number 2 knowing how, how to actually execute whatever you think about the market process number 3 getting your mind over it behavioral finance are you able to do what you think or does your brain not allow you to do what you are supposed to do and then fourth do you have a position sizing in trade management methodology because it's that which really helps you overcome a lot of the behavioral finance problems you know if you have a method in which you can actually position size cut back and it also comes with overcoming the the problems itself right because what is the fear of missing out it's nothing that well if the market's going to go up if you're in a bull market it's going to it's not going to stop at 10% higher it's going to go up 50% 100% you can always get in there's no fear of missing out there's only the fear of going wrong So once you're sure you can always get back in at a higher price you can reduce size increase size at a higher price you can reduce size increase it at a lower price all actions can be done once you get over the fear of going wrong so that's i think uh, the next big fear to take care of the fear of going wrong and then you'll have less of the fear of missing out 
and be able to take much better decisions learn position sizing and trade management very important apart from having the view right is what helps you sit through the painful periods when it's not playing out so that's all in this uh, update from me today thank you nothing in this podcast is investment advice views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work please consult a registered financial advisor for the same And yes please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge